Welcome to Lassoing Leadership. I'm your host, Jason Rogers. And I'm your other host, Garth Nichols. Lassoing Leadership is the result of our love of leadership and how the show Ted Lasso tackles some really tough issues, allowing us to bring to light some of these issues, learn from them through discussions with incredible people. And I always say, like my co-host, uh, Jason. Um, but today, we welcome two authors of a recent article on Lasso and education. The article is, in, is entitled, can Ted Lasso Save Education? And it was co-authored by Courtney Ochi and Dr. Nicole Assisi. And today we are so fortunate to have them with us. It hey. is so great to be here. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thanks for joining us. I know we, I know you guys are down in San Diego today, and, uh, and it's really nice to have you as a part of our podcast. And for those of you who are familiar with the podcast and even our new listeners, you know that we will usually take on one episode and talk for about 20 minutes about our favorite characters in the episode, leadership nuggets of gold. Uh, and in the end, we take a stab at renaming it just for fun. And there's always a leadership challenge based on our learnings. Today, on this very special episode, instead of talking about a single episode, uh, we're going to do a bit of a double feature here. We're going to talk about Courtney, Casey, and Nicole's awesome article and uh, season two, episode eight. Amazing. Let's get into it. So let's start by getting to know our guests uh, a little bit better. Courtney and Nicole, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourselves. Feel free to share as much or as little as you like. Um, that would be great. Like I can go first, Courtney. Um, my name's Nicole and uh, I used to be a, I started in this work as a teacher, principal, superintendent, and now I get the immense pleasure of leading a nonprofit organization called Thrive. And we focus exclusively on supporting leaders to do some of their best work, specifically in education. Uh, as part of that, you know, just helping them make sure they have a, a, a clear vision and the support to lead, I mean, really lead in the Ted Lasso way, maybe. Um, but yeah. really, you know, be their best selves and do their best work so that students can thrive. And when I'm not busy doing that, I get to work as an executive coach on the faculty at Cambridge University in the UK. Um, and I have two awesome kids and a husband who are all huge football, dare I say soccer, mm -hmm. that. Um, and I'm really excited to be here with you all. So thanks for having me. That's very cool. We're going to be digging into lots of those things uh, throughout this podcast. And I can't wait to hear about what leaders are struggling with and how how we can support them perhaps uh, in that lasso way. But before we get into it, uh, Courtney, we'd like to know a little bit more about you too for our listeners. Uh, tell us a thing or two. Awesome. Thanks again for having us today. Um, I'm Courtney Ochi, also a part of the Thrive team, getting to work with amazing schools and school leaders. I am a former kindergarten teacher all the way through elementary school principal, um, have held many roles in that education field. And so know what it's like firsthand to be in there and what it means to both be led and be a leader in the space and um, how impactful that can be. Amazing. Okay, so this is all going to feel a little bit like a lightning round. Uh, we've got lots to cover, so let's get into it. Let's go through our favorite characters and why. That's uh, typically how we start the podcast. Um, so I'm going to throw to... Uh, Courtney, I think you're up first. Who who are you taking uh, in this episode? Who's who's your favorite character? All right, this is hard because I'm a Roy fan through and through. But this episode, it's all about Dr. Sharon and Ted um, because of the heart that they bring uh. to it. Right? They they stray from their usual character tropes to show a side of them that we haven't seen yet, and I can't deny that. 
I want to jump right off that because I feel like my favorite character in this episode also shows a new side. It's Jamie because, you know, I, this was mm -hmm. a, a tough one. But the, in this episode, 100% Jamie. Uh, but if we're talking all the seasons combined, I'm a Keeley girl. You know, you got to love a girl who's an entrepreneur, who like learns by doing, who's humble and just pushes through with all the quirk and sass and everything. Um, so since you said two, I went right along with that. You know, it's a real trend. I think most of our guests seem to take two. They can't choose one. Uh, I can't blame <laughs> you, though, kind of because there's so many. Good, it might be your fault. Garth, hit us with your favorite, and then we'll come around to, to my man, Roy Kent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me, I was uh, enchanted by the development of Jamie Tart. This mm -hmm. one. Um, and the for me, and I'll, this is a nice little segue to you. For me, that hug between yeah. Roy and Jamie is super powerful. And, you know, we talked about this uh, before we hit record. This episode is called Man City, and there's a double mm -hmm. entendre there. You know, it's Manchester, referring to the football club, Manchester City, but also that football is generally, and we've talked about this before, it's a, it's a, it's a male-dominated sport, obviously, like especially in Europe, and I think at this level too. And um, that's definitely changing, but here we see that reflected that this concept of what it means to be macho and a man, it's just so they're diametrically opposed, Jamie and his dad. Um, and, and then Roy comes over and gives him a hug, which, you know, in the first season, Jason, we wouldn't have seen that. So for no. me, it's Jamie Tart. Yeah. And, and no surprises, Garth, I'm sticking with Roy and my wife was asking me if I'd ever change. I really don't think I'm going to. He is just so compelling through and through. And the moment, you know, we talked about this before we got on air, but being called into the teacher's classroom uh, to talk about Phoebe's swearing and her too, swearing too much at school is a real classic moment, particularly for educators and uh, school leaders. And and I just loved it. But what I love more about that than uh, is, is that he accepts the feedback and he's willing to help Phoebe improve. And I think from a parent perspective and a school leadership perspective, we all can learn a lot of things uh, there as well, because I think teachers know a heck of a lot of what's going on in kids' lives and how we can be better parents uh, for them. So thank you, Roy Kent. But Jason, like how neat that like little Phoebe like also sees the flip side of that, right? When she mm -hmm. says like, well, but you know, I stand up to bullies because of you and yeah. like, I do all these other things. So it's not all bad. I just feel like there's a shout out to like the wisdom of kids and just like how brilliant mm -hmm. they are and how that like raw insight and authenticity is just, oh. you know, it makes all the difference. And might yeah. I add empathy? You know, I think when they get back in the car, you'll remember that Roy and Phoebe go back and forth and she says, hey, let's not swear together. And, uh, <laughs> and Roy what? says, I can't do that. And she's like, oh. Yeah. I understand, but can we go play princesses and dragons? And you know, and then Roy shows empathy because he decides he will, in fact, be a princess because Phoebe wants to be the dragon that day. So it's a really beautiful moment between the yeah. two of them. Listen, we've talked a little bit about the the guts of this episode, but let, Jason, give us a thirty second summary here. All right, here we go. This episode's named Man City, as you mentioned before, Garth. Sam and Rebecca get to meet. They have dinner, somewhat awkward, and then they kiss, and they actually have a second date all inside this one episode. Uh, Sharon Fieldstone is hit by a car in the opening moments of it while she's cycling. She's concussed and Ted takes on the role as caregiver. Um, he's really amazing in this role. And I think that might come back to why he's some of our 
favorite characters. Richmond is in the semifinals, FA Cup against City. Uh, Jamie's old team, and they get crushed 5-0. When Jamie's dad comes to the dressing room uh, to torment the team effectively, he and Jamie end up in a fist fight. Uh, and it's one of those dad-son moments, Garth. I don't know if you've ever had those, but certainly it's it was pretty real for me. You know, and, uh, Roy consoles Jamie, which is an amazing moment as well. Ted is distraught, leaves a team, and discloses Fieldstone that his father committed suicide when Ted was only 16 years old. Beard needs a night out, and I can't wait to discuss that episode. Uh, but he takes off, and more, more on that to come. And really, in this 44-minute episode, that barely scratches the surface. There was so much yeah. going on through and through. How's that, Garth? No, it was, that, that was great. And as, as always, you do a summary where we can actually build off of some of these key points. So let's get right into the meaty part of your article. Can't wait. Um, and and this in sort of the entirety of the Ted Lasso season. But let's sort of level set. In your article, you mentioned you have a few concerns about the education system and about our educators. You know? I think that's really important. Can you give us sort of the, the pregame talk about what we're mm -hmm. up against in, in education these days? Yeah, I, I love thinking about it as a pregame talk, right? Because like here we are. We're, you know, somewhere in the middle of the season and the team is tired and We've given it our best, right? Like everyone on the team has been working so hard, stepping up to the plate. Um, and it's just not yielding the wins, right? Students are still struggling despite educators doing amazing work during the pandemic and doing their very best, right? Like, but like scores are at an all time low. Uh, teachers are leaving the profession. So like, think about our players, right? Like our key players, uh, they're out with injuries. They're out with uh, just unable to to give any more. Um, and the inequities, right? Like the challenges we're facing just continue to increase. So in terms of a pre-game outlook, it's, it's feeling bleak, right? Like people are feeling uh, exhausted. They're feeling like their work isn't leading to things, but they're still in the game and there's still a lot of game to be played. And so the question as as coaches and as like the people supporting this team and the people on the field, it's like, how do we not give up and how do we continue to push forward? Okay, coach. Okay. So that's, you know, the odds are stacked against us, but we need that locker room chat. We need that opportunity to pull ourselves up and do more together than we ever thought we could do as individuals. Cause I think that's what leadership is. It's when one and one equals three and I'm counting on the two of you to pull us out of this uh, desperation. So, uh, you know, I know that we talk about the impact inspired leaders can have on organization and change. And you shared that a time or two uh, in your article. Why don't, can you share a thing or two with our listeners that, that they might might be able to take away and, and feel inspired by? Yeah, I think the reality, right, is even if you aren't an educator, this is not unique to the space of education, that in all these fields, there is that feeling right of burnout, of that lack of connection, of people feeling like, hey, I'm doing a lot more, but I feel a lot less value from this. And I think the lesson and the inspiration in this is how do we hold a mirror up, look in that mirror and figure out, okay, what are the things that are going well, but what are some of the things that need to shift? And that takes vulnerability. 
it's scary. It's scary to hold that mirror to yourself and recognize what are the areas that we need to improve on. But that's what's really going to help. And that's what, you know, Nicole and I love to do in our work is we get to kind of hold that mirror alongside some of our leaders and say, we're going to look at this together. And then we're going to strategize and game plan, create our best winning playbook to move forward, because it's also about being strategic in our next steps, because we've only got so much time and so much energy. Yeah. I love that. It reminds me of this episode in a little bit where um, Dr. Sharon Fieldstone is on the phone with her friend and her, and her friend is actually holding a mirror up to her mm. as she's mm. describing Ted. She's like, sounds familiar. And then you can see the work in their telephone conversations between Ted and Dr. Sharon. You can see the work that they're doing to connect with each other. And I think that's so beautiful. And I, and I do appreciate, Courtney, what you're saying about, you know, holding that, that mirror up. And what you're telling is like, there is hope and, the, and there's good news. You know, there's this podcast that's designed to inspire <laughs> leaders to, to deliver a kinder, more compelling brand of leadership. And this podcast is bringing you to uh, and your article to the forefront. Uh, and it, listen, in your article, you do provide a bit of a game plan. So can you take us through what you saw in Lasso and how you think it can apply to improving schools and improving teaching and learning? Yeah, I mean, the first piece, you just mentioned it, right? Uh, Dr. Sharon. And Courtney, you'd mentioned the relationship with like Sharon and Ted, like disclosing of themselves. And uh, I think the, the first tip, the first step is get a coach, right? Like Ted has a coach in Sharon, the team has a coach in Ted. Uh, you know, later in the episode, we see Jamie having a coach in Roy. The importance of having somebody who can hold up that mirror and somebody who can just be there and support you who can help you see things from another perspective is so critical. Uh, we see it in the show, but we also see it when we work with schools, uh, you know, really across the nation, across uh, the world, that leaders do better when they have someone to bounce ideas off of. And having an executive leadership coach is really critical because, you know, soccer teams, football teams, like they have coaches, not because the yeah. players aren't good, but because the players are exceptional and even exceptional players, exceptional people in the game, have someone to help them figure out strategy from a different vantage point. I love that. You know, and our listeners know that we talk about the, the duality of leadership, being very public, being very highly networked, being very personable, and yet quite lonely as well. Mm -hmm. And I love in your article, you, you write that the coach plays a role in providing some feedback, but that feedback is impartial and it's removed from the daily politics of the day-to-day -day workplace. And I think that's a yeah. real um, important part about coaching that you get to remove yourself and see yourself in a, in a different light. So I really appreciate that. Courtney, tell us a little bit about principle number two. Yeah. I mean, it is so evident in here, the heart work that exists in this work, right? Making time and space mm -hmm. for connection. Um, I think Jamie's a big example of that in this episode that I think is an episode or two before this, right? We see Jamie lean in when Sam is having a hard time when, you know, there are things happening and he grabs that piece of tape and he's like, I'm in, I'm here for you. Season one, Jamie would not have done that. But season two, Jamie is there with that tape across his chest. And in this episode, when that happens with his dad, I was waiting, right? Is he going to run away? Because I would run away in that moment, right? There's something scary happening. My vulnerability, my heart is showing, and he doesn't. 
And instead of running from that, someone runs towards him, right? Like Roy gives him that hug and that embrace. And mm-hmm. that just shows that how important connection is. And so we kind of say at Thrive that rather than letting people run away or pull away, we, we call them in and we say, we're going to give you this space to be brave. And how can we help you through this? How can we work through this? Because this is where the real work happens when we have that space for connection. Oh, I love that. And I think, you know, Garth, uh, this podcast, a lot about connection. I really think part of how we sustain ourselves in leadership and get to meet other people is by connecting through this. And I think it's modeling it for, I hope more leaders from across Canada and North America. And we see a lot of connection through this episode. Uh, as I said before, Ted steps up to take care of Sharon after she's been hit by a car. Roy prioritized mm-hmm. connection with his niece. The coaches, I love this, share confessions prior to the big game, prioritizing connection over the game. And I think, you know, this obviously uh, has a plot twist to it, but I think it's a really interesting moment because obviously all of them have been carrying around something that they haven't been able to say one another. When Ted opens up, and share something they feel compelled to share something too and so i think we can lead with vulnerability and you know really really prioritize connection just like ted did in that scene and finally uh, the most touching is that uh roy steps up and hugs jamie after jamie's conflict with his father that's why i think this whole episode is truly about connection uh nicole do you want to hit us with principle three yeah well and it <laughs> connects to connection, right? Like it's, it's interwoven because it's this idea that sometimes you need to, to retreat. You need to get away from the work. You need to get off campus out of the office and meet with your team. And that is to, to build that connective tissue, to get to know each other, but also to see the work through a different lens, right? Like think about all the times when Ted takes the team to unusual places like the, mm-hmm. the sewer system or, you know, uh, out to, to different places to just learn and think about how do we think about our work through a different metaphor, through a different analysis, through different experiences? Because when we're too close to the work, we don't always do our best work. We deal with the immediate work, right? Think about the work of adaptive leadership, right? That The terminology people often use is that you need to get off the dance floor and onto the balcony. And going on a team retreat is that opportunity to step onto the balcony and zoom out a little bit and see the work and to experience the work differently and to really come closer with, you know, with your team, with your colleagues that are doing this work. And, you know, whether you facilitate that retreat yourself or you get an outside facilitator, that's secondary to the importance of just getting away. You don't have to have it all completely planned out. You just need to be willing to lean in and be with each other. Um, and that makes all the difference. Yeah. And one th- we have retreats at our school, uh, the leadership mm-hmm. team goes on retreats, uh, and you get to know people from different perspectives, but you also create shared moments. And these are shared moments that you can go back to. Um, and you and when it, whenever you share a, a, like a moment like that, and you and you go back to it, you're building that connection, you're deepening that connection, um, which I which I love. All right. Hey, hey, Garth, before you go ahead, yeah. guess, ask me where I'm going this weekend. Hey, Jason, where are you going yeah. this weekend? On a retreat. Taking our team out on a retreat to Banff. And uh, we're doing a really cool retreat. It's called Time and Space Retreat. And our, our premise is that's all people ask for is time and space. So we had people put forward proposals of things they needed time and space to do it in. And we've got clusters of teachers working, about 20 of them out there, in a time and space retreat. I'll tell you about it next week on the episode. 
I hope there's karaoke. Oh, there might be actually. <laughs> All right, Courtney, what's next? Principal four. Oh man, well I wish I'm there this weekend, but um, our our principal four is just really thinking about establishing that culture and those norms that exist, right, on a team. It's part of the reason why Jamie's role on the team didn't work in season one. He wasn't really fitting in with the norms that were being established. He was out of sync with the team and what they were trying to create. Um, and there's an importance in making explicit some of those norms that live implicitly. We see it when we see that big believe sign, right, slapped on the wall. It's this is who we are. We are putting our faith into this. We are. This is us. This is our norm. Um, I think it's in other ways, too. This team values people and every single person. I love when, you know, Nate becomes a coach. That is valuing the per people on the team and recognizing this person deserves this role. And so there are ways that um, Ted, he really makes sure that the team's norms are vibrant and they are living in both the clubhouse. They're living throughout every interaction that they have together. Garth, nice. uh, that, that there reminds me of Super Bowl 51. Do you know anything about that? Super Bowl 51, can't say as I do. All right, this is a, the real American football. I don't know if you all know the story, but I'm happy to tell it. Super Bowl 51 was between the Patriots and the Falcons. Remember at halftime, Falcons were up 28 to three against the Patriots. And this is a ma massive spoiler. So if you don't want to hear the end, turn us off now. But uh, they go back to the locker room and you know Bill Belichick did in that locker room? He went down the line and he said to every player, what's your job? And every player responded, I'm the kicker, I'm the you know punter, I'm the quarterback, I'm the linebacker. And everybody said the same thing. Said, listen, do your job, do your job, do your job. And by focusing in on that uh, individual, you know, their purpose amongst the team, they're able to bring through that championship. And I think it comes back to establishing norms. Like I think Bill had set that norm by having that key principle and everybody knew how to do their jobs. Yeah, I, I know a lot about Bill Belichick and his sort of leadership style too. And he does, he sets incredibly high expectations. So when he says, just, you know, do your job, there's so much more involved in that, um, which, I, which I love. So listen, uh, let's move up. Before we close, we have two items, uh, Nicole and Courtney, that we always end with. We always love to lead, uh, leave our listeners with a leadership challenge. And we try to rename the episode as well. In this case, uh, I'd love to have one of you offer a leadership challenge. And the other one, maybe you could retitle the, uh, the show for us. Courtney, do you want to do the leadership challenge? Yeah, I've got it. Okay, so back in the day, there is an outdated saying that was, real men don't cry. But I'm going to switch that to say, real leaders do cry. And that is my challenge, right? That there is this piece of vulnerability and authenticity mm. that we can bring. The leader is not this stoic person that doesn't get to share their emotions. They do cry. They do have feelings. And we're cautious that they're not always crying, right? Um, we see that in that end huddle when um, Ted shares his vulnerability and everyone's sharing. And he's like, whoa, whoa, like, no, I don't need to hear all these pieces, right? So it's being cautious of yeah. we want to make sure that we're, we're sharing the pieces that do help the team move forward. But knowing that real leaders do cry, they have feelings, they have emotions, and you're allowed to be that person with your team. You're encouraged to be that person with your team. Amazing. Amazing. Leadership challenge accepted. Vulnerability. Jason, karaoke. 
do a song that you can cry to. Uh, uh, Nicole, your turn. What would you What would you rename the the show and why? Ooh, this was a tough one. Um, so I'm gonna go with outplayed but outscored. The entire team, the coaches, like they gave it their best, and they were outscored by Man City, mm-hmm. but like they way outplayed it. And sometimes early losses lead to great wins down the road. And so I think that, you know, this really, even though they didn't win this game, they outplayed, they build that connective tissue. They built that foundation. They're ready to, to lead forward. And I think that's, that's true in leadership as well. Sometimes, you know, you don't, you get outscored, but you got to outplay. You got to bring your team together. You got to stay connected, get a coach, you know, set some norms, retreat and, and lead forward and push forward because education can be transformed. It's only the middle of the championship. We've got a lot of season left to play um, and we're ready to do it. I mean, coach. Yes, I love that. And Garth, I don't know why we let our guests go first because there's no way you're going to outplay or outscore that. But would you like to um, perhaps shoot for second? Do you want to even try to hit the net? For, listen, for me, only because I, I had it in the in my back pocket here. For me, it was more of a moment. So I would rename the show The Hug, uh, but outplayed, mm-hmm. but outscored. And Nicole, your explanation and rationale for that title is really excellent. So I think that's our winner. But you're going right. to try, aren't you, Jason? I'd like to, I like to play. Like, I like yep. to be in the game, Gareth. So yep. thank you for that opportunity. Um, but I, I, you know, the music game is so strong in this season of Lasso. Uh, really, the soundtrack that plays behind, I just am falling more and more in love with. And I think we need to do a, an episode just on that. But I'm going to lean on the queen here, uh, Queen B. And, uh, you know, I think it's one of her top five on one of her top five records, Lemonade. She's got a song that's called Daddy Lessons. And uh, and I love that song. And I really think this whole episode is full of daddy lessons. So um, there you have it. But I'm I'm at least second. I might be third. Uh, You are. You know what? You're on the podium. That's for sure. You're on the podium. All right. Um, All right. Let's wrap it up, Jason. All right. Well, thanks, Courtney and Nicole, for coming on the show. And we'd love to hear what you've learned from this episode if you've been listening. Reminder that if you like what you've heard, and if you don't, still rate the podcast and uh, try to share it with your friends. Yeah, and we'll be sure to put the article, um, Can Ted Lasso yes, Save Education? Absolutely. We'll put that in the in the show notes for sure. Um, and listen, if we're ever going to get Sudeikis on here, we're going to need your support. Courtney and Nicole, why don't you take us home? Until next time, keep Keep leading leading the last away. Thank you both for coming on the show.